Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage or culture sector, all those who keep history alive at the community level. I'm Tara Barrett, ICH researcher with Heritage NL. On today's episode, we talk with Terry Andrews. Terry's grandmother was Ella Michael, and her grandfather was Albert Andrews. Both were born in Hadith El in Lebanon. Today, we talk about the Andrews family, the Lebanese bands and music, and Terry shares some recollections of the Lebanese community on New Gower Street. Hi, Terry, and welcome to the show. I guess just to start off, could you give me a little bit of background on who you are and who your family is? Yeah, my name is Terry Andrews. I'm one of eight children of Chris Andrews. And Chris is the son of Lebanese immigrants who came from Hadith al and married a uh, woman from Newfoundland of Irish descent from St. Joseph's. So we're kind of a hybrid <laughs> family. And so that was your father. So who were your grandparents? My grandparents were Ella Andrews. And uh, that was an anglicized version of her name because they all anglicized their names when they moved here. She was Otley Aaliyah and Aaliyah being Michael. So the Michaels of uh, St. John's and Cornerbrook and throughout the island are relatives. And my grandfather was Ablaine Andrea. That was on his uh, entry documents was George, became George Andrew, and he became Albert Andrews here. So he was Albert Andrews. She was Ella Andrews. And they had uh, subsequently a, a large family. And there was Albert Jr. and who was a counselor and so on. But anyway, that they, they, um, they both came from both of them came from the Hadith. And when you say the Hadith, for anybody who doesn't know, what, what does that mean? Where is that? It's a, it's a small village in northern Lebanon near the Syrian border. And uh, I had the good fortune about five years ago to go there searching for relatives and so on. It, it's absolutely stunning. It's, it's sort of like, I don't know, cross between Switzerland and Grossmoor. But the, uh, the, sort of atmosphere and the way the people were was like driving to any little small out, outport in Newfoundland you know people were very inquisitive and very friendly and uh, a really nice small town but of course there was lots of stuff going on uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s and there was a fairly large immigration moving out of um, Lebanon and it's an interesting thing that my grandmother always lamented she never went back and she always wanted to go back. And she would always talk about, you know, picking grapes out of the w- window of her house in, um, in uh, Lebanon. And when I went there, I could see why, because sort of the climate was much the same, you know, they get winter and so on, but uh, the house was still there. And the new house was built on top of the old house that she grew up in. So the cellar of it uh, was the old stone house where she grew up in. So there's, there's a story. <laughs> <laughs> and can you talk a little bit, or do you know kind of what prompted your family to move here? Were your grandparents uh, married before they moved here? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah. You know something? I'm not sure. I can't, I, I should really look and see. <laughs> I, I, um, I think so. I think so. She was very young, but what I don't see is her coming at the same time. And from the history that I can find, 
is that it was not uncommon for the men at that time to come find a place and then the families to follow. And to the nearest that I can figure it out, that's what happened. And there was the records that I have of my grandfather coming here was 1887. I've got the 87, was yeah. it? Yeah. And he, um, you know, there was economic reasons and uh, and also political reasons. You know, they were in a period of unrest and they were here and well established here when Lebanon uh, separated from Syria. But the the um, the passports that we found in my aunt's house, uh, they were at the time Syrian passports. They were citizens of Syria and that changed. So it was a combination of economic and, um, and political. And they were Maronite Catholics and, you know, there was all, all kinds of stuff going on then. So they came for a new life. And oh, I guess I not a lot different from my mom's great grandparents. I guess yeah. that's the history of our province in a lot of respects still. And I guess in this particular project, we're really focusing on the business community. So can you talk a little bit about any kind of uh, family connections you might have to any businesses or anything? Uh, Yeah. So when my grandfather first came here, the records that I can see in the family lore, um, I thought he had come directly to Newfoundland. But when we started looking at the records, the records are showing that he and his two cousins, or a cousin and a friend, came through Ellis Island up through Nova Scotia uh, and then to Newfoundland. And um, what my grandfather apparently did was then go to Harbor Grace because they dispersed. They came, they came to uh, the province and, and to the eastern provinces and one or two would set up a location and the others would go out as tinkers. Uh, and then that's how the island got populated for, with Lebanese is they would go out to different places or the brothers or the sons would go out and go to you know some community and then set up a store there or so on. So that's, that's the way the business community filtered out. Um, from what I can see, my grandfather went to Harbor Grace and there's not a lot of records, but what I can find is saying that he worked for a while with a family called the Knowles and went by ship at least one or two seasons to Labrador as a tinker and tinker being, you know, selling goods and so on. And then set up his own store in Harbor Grace. And my grandmother joined him at some point there. And uh, so what our sort of verbal history was that they lived in one side and had the store in the other for a couple of years and um, then moved to St. John's for whatever reason. And I'm, I've recently been doing a lot of uh, historic work with Harbor Grace and there's a lot of fires. So I'm wondering if that wasn't the reason I was never clear why. But anyway, uh, or if it's just because the Lebanese community was establishing businesses and, and a base in St. John's. And he came, uh, came to St. John's, opened up a store on New Gower Street. 
and operated out of there. And subsequent to that, his son, his eldest son, Albert, opened up a store a block up called A.E. Andrews Grocery. So they had grocery stores is what they did. And, um, and Albert owned other properties there and that became known as Andrews Range. But my grandmother's house and the store that my grandfather established was actually a block down on the other side of Springdale across from Casey's Meat Markets. And so, and they were part of a larger community. There was, you know, fairly heavy Lebanese contingent in that area and they all had stores. That's what they did. So the Michaels had stores and, and uh, you know, uh, Carol, Carol Reed, Carol Rockwood, they had stores. There was lots of them. And we, I used to go visit all the anti-stores. You know, we were, uh, I'm watching uh, stories now where in the Indian culture, everybody is anti. Well, that's the same in the Lebanese. So I'd go see Auntie Ida and Auntie Teresa and, Auntie, you know, go see all the aunties. So they had those stores there. I don't know. Then in the 70s, the city expropriated and essentially killed the community. You know, so I think we're all still kind of vexed about that. That um, in my uncle's uh, stuff when we were clearing his estate and in my grandmother's stuff, there were records about how hard they fought to keep those properties and to get those properties. And in my grandmother's case, my grandfather died. So here was the breadwinner. She had um, all these sons and daughters and had to take care of them. And the store was actually they owned the building and they owned the store, but the property was owned by some lord in, or some lady in uh, England. And so it was all leasehold then. And she had to go through, uh, give me some time to pay the rents and stuff because I'm trying to you know, figure out my life here and take care of my kids. And she did that. She was fierce. We only found out how fierce she was when we started you know, going through the stuff at the estate. And, um, and she eventually bought that property, as did the rest of them. And uh, she, for a time, then she may have run the store, but she then leased out downstairs and, and Uncle Albert's um, store up the road. My Aunt Joni, who was the youngest girl, went up and worked for him then. And it was all, it was all very family. Um, so that's the St. John side of it. On the Harbor Grace side, we never really knew a lot about where it was, what he was doing. That was, that was kind of the murky, foggy history, because St. John's, we knew about. Dad was there, he was born. I was there when I was a kid. I was uh, I lived on New Gower Street for the first year of my life, I understand. And um, when my sister and I, a few years ago, and our husbands found this old building, it was called the Mercantile, and it was a duplex. And it's, if not the oldest, it's one of the oldest row houses still existing in Newfoundland. And it was it was going to come down pretty soon if no one did anything with it. And we bought it off a friend of ours. Um, and we said, we're, we're going to fix it up. So it was a labor of love. COVID helped us there, I guess, and that we had time to do it. And we totally restored that building. And we, we live out there part time now. Um, and we knew that one side was a mercantile and one side was a house at various iterations and some it's been many things to many people over the years. So everybody comes by and they drop into that house and they have a story 
about in 1920 something someone lived here and in 1934 and 1957 I used to go to a daycare here so we will say come in come let's go through it and it predates I understand the cathedral out there it's very old so we did this and in doing that I decided I was going to look for some heritage funding or the possibility of it to help restore and while we didn't avail of that funding in the end uh, we did find out information on the house and it turned out that at one point around the turn of the century, that house, there was a store and there was a, there's a lot next to it that we own as well. And there was a, a structure there as well. So we're not really sure which of the three buildings, what happened in my, we do know about the Mercantile, but that Andrews lived there for a short time and operated a store out of there. And so we are thinking, oh my gosh, this is full circle. We didn't know this when we bought the place, but we bought the place and then found this house. And then about uh, three weeks ago, the guy who owned the building before us, who had torn down the building that was in the lot immediately adjacent, um, said, called my brother-in-law and said, I got, a, I got a gift for your sister or for your, your wife, my sister. He said, uh, when I was taking all the old stuff, because he's a collector of things, um, out of the building that we tore down, I found, you know, I got an old bottle with what appeared to be a note in it. And when he opened the note, he said it was my grandfather's will. So this is coming back to us. And um, you know, I said, Jeannie, we should copy that, keep it. And then it's part of the history of this province and definitely Lebanese, so we should pass it on. But Anyway, so there you go. So there's that's and that's wild that you ended up buying this property that you know had this family connection without knowing it. Like you said, it, it does seem like it all came full circle. So yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it does. And you mentioned um, New Gower was really family oriented, and, and earlier you kind of mentioned just how large of a family your grandparents had. So how many children were there? Um. Albert, Jackie, Peter, Chris, and Phil. So five boys. Mercedes, Julie, Sevilla, uh, Joan, and Sally. Five girls, ten. Ten of them grew up in that house on the Gower Street. And what a house. I mean, it, you know, uh, it was up over the store. And we would have these great big family Christmases there every Christmas morning. My brother Joey, only a little tiny fella, and he'd, he'd come to the bottom of the stairs and yell up and say, Aunt Joan, we're here to wreck the place. And then, you know, there was eight of us and we would descend on them. And my grandmother did, you know, we didn't realize how much it took for her to keep that house, you know, um, all of that stuff. And, and then she had, she had borders in there as well so uh, she had filipino borders i remember eno and they'd sing and they'd dance and and you know they were like two or three of them members of the family and you know i would stay out there on weekends but as i said when when mom and dad first got married they lived there with with city with my grandmother and aunt joan so the youngest daughter stayed home and took care of the parents or the or the mother in this case and my other aunts had married uh u.s servicemen three of them and gone off to the States and one had gone off to Juilliard to study and married down there and stayed there. 
and uh, Uncle Jack was down in the States. We're kind of a, a nomadic group because my grandfather's brothers dispersed all over the States and down through South America, as did my grandmother's sisters, you know, some stayed in Lebanon. And then the first year, just about my first year, I was there. So my very early pictures of me were all on the Gower Street, big old wood stove or oil stove in the kitchen and grandmother be city be sitting at her rocking chair and, and it seemed like she was old forever but now I realize she wasn't and Aunt Joan every Saturday she would wax those floors and then to keep you from dirtying up her wax floor she put newspapers all over so I have memories of that and, and a telephone a party line coming up over the stairs which was great and coal cellars to go downstairs and there was a barber shop operating lease down in where the store used to be I also remember my grandmother and it was very community. And that's part of the reason why it's so heartbreaking, not just that everybody's way of life and their livelihoods were basically taken from them like that. She would, after supper, open up the window in the front room, looking out over New Gower Street, and she'd sit in the window and she'd talk to the ladies across their people in the windows and they would talk through the windows at each other. And sometimes I'd go sit on her on her lap when I was a little older and I'd be staying out there with her. So, you know, that, so the whole, not just the Lebanese, everybody in the area was a community. And when, when I was getting weighed, for instance, I said something into you about this, when they were weighing me and Joni and Jeannie, I know dad would take us across to Casey's meat market. Mr. Casey would put us on the meat scales and say, okay, this is how much they weigh. And we, we wander around and, and, you know, go into Aunt Ida's kitchen for a cup of tea. And she would have her tea bags hung on little hooks where the, where you would put your teacups because she'd use her tea bags two or three times and, and so on. It was, it was really something. It was really something. And the O'Keefe's, I later went to school with Kathy O'Keefe. They had stores down there and there were no malls. And that's where people shopped and they kept it in the neighborhood. And I remember going up to Uncle Albert's store and, and basically dad would tell me the same about his father. So we, you know, we were Mediterranean diet. So, Newfoundlanders didn't know what eggplants were, but there would be eggplants in the window and, and they'd mark on the windows of the stores with the white soap, I guess, you know, with the eggplant two cents or whatever. And people would come in and say, what is that? What is that? And he'd say, it's eggplant. And one old fella came in and he was saying, but does it grow from an egg? You know, and so City would get all of the ingredients for her Lebanese food because you couldn't get it here. So it would be a great day out on Nugower Street when the shipment would arrive from Montreal and she'd get all her bulgur wheat and all of her stuff that she needed, her olives and so on, that she would get it all in from Montreal. And sometimes some of the other ladies would be coming over and they'd be sharing the order and gorgeous, gorgeous stuff to remember. But, you know, the sad part was this was something that this was our family home. And it was my grandmother's home. And then in the 70s, she got an expropriation order and they they determined how much they were going to give her for the house. And it was nothing. And then she had to, and Aunt Joan had to try and find her another house where things were valued much higher. So now you've got an elderly lady who's getting, I don't know what it was, 14 or 17,000 or something. And then having to move into Cowan Heights in this area. And that was way more. And that nearly killed her. And uh, when we were going through Uncle Albert's stuff, the letters, even though he was a city councilor, the letters back and forth to city council saying, my rental properties, you're expropriating, my store, you're expropriating, you have now just removed my whole livelihood. 
and my home. Please don't do this. And they, that was not an unfamiliar story. The Michaels went through the same thing, I understand. And, and yet they took it and it was for City Hall, but the lots stayed empty for years and years and years. And some of them are still not developed. And now I guess the Delta and the parking lot are there, but it didn't need to happen. And there was no compensation and there was no apology. And it destroyed, it truly did destroy a community, you know, a bona fide community. It dispersed the Lebanese and there were Jewish families down there too, but uh, dispersed them and and other families that were in Brazel Square and the boarding houses. Like my, my husband, his mother is from uh, Perisco and his father is from Boat Harbor. And they met and they used to stay at a boarding house on Brazel Square up behind. And there are many stories on my mother's side like that, all gone, all gone. So we're still here and we try to maintain community, but uh, to some extent it's a fractured community and it has been ever since. And you mentioned music a little bit, you know, in terms of getting together. So I know in your email, you had mentioned that your father was a musician. So what is the, I guess, can you talk a little bit about the musical connection to your family and to the Lebanese history there? Yeah, dad was, amongst his generation, he was very well known. He had a band and an orchestra from the time he was very young. So I've got uh, recollections of actually, he, he was a drummer and a singer. And he would play at, when I was a kid, he'd play at the old colony or play at the, the, um, Knights of Columbus or the you know various places and uh, he also worked at Sears because he had eight kids and you couldn't any more then than you can now for most people make a living as a musician that would take care of eight kids so he worked at Sears and he was very well known that way too you know he'd sell appliances most people's grandparents bought their appliances from dad so the man I'm only now realizing he must have been beat out all the time and I had very little I don't know, sympathy for him at the time. You know, why is dad always asleep at supper time? Well, it's because he had to go play in the nighttime. But uh, in his early years, that's what he did. You know, that's what he did for a living. And he had, so I would be, I have the recollection of him saying, of going to get his drums. Mom and I'd go get his drums because he'd be working at Sears and he would have played a gig at the night before at some place and then need his drums for the next night. And we'd go out with the station wagon, put the drums in the back. And on a couple of occasions, uh, when it was early enough, I was hid behind the drums while he was playing. You know, I wasn't supposed to be in those rooms, but uh, there were great memories. But um, so he uh, he had big bands when big bands were the thing. And in the basement till the time I was a teenager, there were all these great big units that went in front of the big bands with the CA and his orchestra. You know, like you'd see on some of the TV shows, they were down there and so on. He uh, and he had smaller bands. And uh, my cousin's uh, relatives, Leo and Freddie Michaels and Mickey Michaels, they also had bands and sometimes they played together, but more often not. So they were really, really great musicians as well. And they, they, all of those crowds. So it seemed to me that the Lebanese had some great bands during the war, for instance, Uh, the second world war down at the base, they had a lot of work down there. They had a lot of work at the officers club and so on. I've got lots of stuff there about gigs that he played down there with various orchestras and various bands. And the, you know, I have photos, photos of him, much though people would like to minimize it. Sometimes I have photos of him on stage with Frank Sinatra 
And Gene Krupa got sick one time and they called dad into drum for him in his place. So, you know, and, and I found a letter when, after he had died that uh, he had been invited to go tour down the States with one of the orchestras. And he, he now was, no, I, I'm staying in Newfoundland. And I sort of felt that, oh God, he had a bunch of youngsters. He could have done so much more, you know, and he really could. He was very, very good. And they were all very, very good. And they, he'd sit down and play at the piano by ear and he could play anything and he played the drums and he, he had various musical instruments and all kinds of scores. Like in, he had lots of old music. So I assume that some of the people, I guess he could read drum music because the drumming music was there, you know, but anyway, um, so he, he played in bands right up almost until he passed away in his sixties and uh, worked in the daytime and passed that love on. So he, he tried to get me to learn how to play the drums because the drums set up in the basement. I was never very good at it. I could play Credence Clearwater Revival because it was very straight, <laughs> straight beat. And then he went through each one of us to see who could be a drummer. And finally he landed on my youngest brother, Johnny. And Johnny is a drummer. And then my brother, Joey, picked it up and he's a drummer now as well. But Poor daddy was running out of youngsters to be drummers. But uh, but we all took, you know, eight kids. Money was scarce in our house. And but we all took singing lessons and we took music lessons and stuff, or at least we girls did. And I um, I have a theater company and I do concerts and stuff still. And, you know, I do a big concert called Our Divas Do Christmas and um Music, dance, and theater is very much part of my life and has always been. And I have a sister who has an acting school for a couple of years, and my two brothers are in bands. My sister Joni sings every wedding that ever was and probably half the funerals in, in certain areas in Labrador. She used to sing a lot. So, and, and all of us, right coming up through, we would be, you know, the Andrews sisters at the festival and so on. So, music was a big part. It's, it's a big part of our soul. But every event that was Christmas time at my grandmother's house or a birthday at my grandmother's house or any event, uh, we would be all gathered around the piano and playing music. And my Aunt Joan, when there was, you know, not many people had record players. She always had the record players and she would play records all the time. And they, uh, you know, that was one of the things that brought the community together because a lot of her friends would come over and they would listen to she really liked um, Spanish music and, and flamenco for some reason, but, and they had Lebanese, they weren't the big records, they weren't the small ones, the ones in between, but Lebanese singers, wherever they got those. So that kind of a, uh, you know, and I learned a couple of songs in Arabic that I don't even, still don't know what they mean, but I know they're love songs. So yeah, big, big, big part of our family, but also the Lebanese community particularly at least the community with the with the michaels and i know the rockwells uh, are musicians and and theatrical people as well and you know, on the west coast and uh, my cousin freddie had a you know a recording studio out in vancouver and david just did a book launch david michael and he's written a couple of musicals and cousin is an opera singer uh, you know it's it's just big throughout the whole Andrea Elia family for sure 
when you were asking about music, I forgot to mention my Aunt Mercedes, who was down in the States, she led choirs down there for her whole life. And my Aunt Julie was known as the, the songbird of the playground here. She did recitals and so on. I sent you a little bit of stuff about her, but she was very well known. And she very early on, she, she did a farewell concert. I mean, it was kind of big stuff then and went off to Juilliard. And that was big. And then she settled in New Jersey. And when I went to see her probably um, 12, 10, 12 years ago, she was retiring from Seton Hall. She worked there, but she was still uh, directing choirs and so on. So that really was not just the boys in the family. The girls in the family had it too. Well, thank you so much for, for sitting down and doing an interview with me. This has been great. Thank you. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.